The following program is recorded content created by the Truth Network. Found online at calm.org. When you have questions about Bible doctrines, turn to Matt Slick Live for answers. Taking your calls and responding to your questions at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. Everybody, welcome to the show. It's me, Matt Slick. You listen to Matt Slick Live. Today is uh, 12-21-2022 for the podcasters. And uh, if you want to give me a call, we have wide open lines. All you have to do is dial 877-207-2276. I want to hear from you, so give me a call. And uh, we can talk about all kinds of stuff. Tonight, I should be on um, on uh, Clubhouse and on Wednesdays, I just kind of spend an hour or two just answering questions. And we get into some more difficult issues, generally speaking, on uh, on Clubhouse. It's an app on your phone, but they have Club Deck for the computer. And that's what I use. And so uh, I just kind of get on there and do that. The room fills up quickly, and then people come up and ask this, ask that. And a lot of times, uh, atheists come in and they want to challenge. And that reminds me, last night, I was in a room... Uh, full of atheists and uh, just think of a swarm of hornets okay and uh so <laughs> i i come in there right and uh they know they know that they have to speak to me politely or i just won't talk to them and they know they can't do what i call dogpiling you know i say something then eight people jump on me and, and i'm like i can't understand anybody what do you say you know and if you don't calm down and we just have a conversation that's normal i'm gonna leave and they go oh you coward okay fine bye and i've been doing this for a long time and if you know so they've gotten the message that hey if you want to have a conversation just be polite and let's talk and that's pretty much what happened pretty much uh i did it a few times would try to dogpile you know it's it's hard you know the war the wasp's gonna swarm they want to get on you and so uh we had a good conversation but what was interesting is that I caught them in illogic a lot, and <laughs> and then they would say how stupid I was. <laughs> it was awesome. So uh, one of the things that they're on, the atheists kind of go through this uh, season of trying an approach until they give up on it, which they should give up right away. But no, 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 they got to stick to it for a while. So they said, how do you know you're not a brain in a vat? This is the thing that they've been coming at me with uh, lately. And so I wrote an article on it. I'm going to expand the article. But... Uh, uh, and I'll tell you some of the stuff that they were saying. It was like, well, are you kidding me? I can't believe it. And so... Uh, we got talking, and I said, well, wait a minute. If, if I'm a brain out of the vat, then this is all my imagination, right? I said, right. Then you don't exist. So do you agree with me that you don't exist? <laughs> that threw a monkey wrench <laughs> into their into their arguments, you know, because go ahead and convince me you, you exist, because if you're just a figure of my imagination, you don't exist. So what are you going to do now? We exist. Well, then you're arguing against your whole premise that I'm just a brain in a vat. How do I know I'm not one? And uh, so that was fun. And I said, look, you know, what's what's a problem here is that, uh, the, you know, if I say to the atheist, prove to me God uh, uh, does not exist. They'll say, that's, that's, you can do that. It's, it's, a, uh, it's an impossibility. You can't know all things to know God doesn't exist everywhere at any time. And I say, it's, it's the impossibility of proves, proving a negative. And then they say to me, but it's okay for me to say, prove to me you're not a brain in a vat. You know, and so uh, so then I, I said things like, well, what must be the case in order for that to be 
uh, potentially true. They said, it didn't have to be true. It just proved it's not. It's not. <laughs> I was like, are you kidding me? It doesn't have to be true. It just proved to me it's not true. That's all. And so what I would say, you know, the idea with that is that they would come back and they'd say, well, no matter what you say, I'm just going to say you're still a brain in a vat. Well, then you don't exist, do you? Yes, we do. Well, then what are you arguing? <laughs> so it was like this. And uh so I almost wrote, I didn't, was, I almost wrote, shooting fish in a barrel. You know, this is not that hard. And uh, then uh, they started, oh, man, they started boasting. Oh, man, we destroyed Matt. He doesn't know what he's doing. And it's like, I just chuckle. Oh, boy. <coughs> and then another guy gets on, and uh, let's see if I can find it. I took some notes. I'm going to get into this note. Let's see. What was it he said? It was... Uh, about oh yeah what was it about um here let's see it was about if i had the power to destroy everyone in the united states so that a small child wasn't tortured would i do it <laughs> i'm like what planet are you, are you from you know and they take this seriously this is like a serious challenge you know so you're saying if I had all power in the United States and I could destroy every life in the United States so that one person isn't tortured, what would I do? And they said, yes, yeah, right, what would you do? And I go, are you asking me this seriously? And they, they, <laughs> they said, yes. And so, uh, you know, I'm like, oh, man. You know, I do what my wife does sometimes. <laughs> I rub my forehead. <laughs> are you what? Are you serious? And so I said, well, look, look, I said, uh, for one thing, it's not my Christian worldview, so that's not a, a, a reality. So you're asking me to abandon my Christian worldview in order to argue <laughs> about something. I said, I can't do that. It's not the Christian worldview. I don't do that. And, and uh, well, no, no, it's okay. You, yes, you can. I said, no, no, I can't. And this went on for a while. This is what happened. And uh, it was like, oh, man. Uh, so tonight, uh, we'll see if some of those atheists come by and uh, want to ask some more really intelligent questions like this. Oh, and then we had this discussion about what's reality, you know, and, and uh, uh, what does it mean to have existence? I said, I don't know, occupy space and time? Well, that can't be because, and then they get into all kinds of stuff, and then they start picking on me for, you mean this is a necessity? I'm like, guys, <laughs> what are you talking about? What are you doing? And they look for anything they can. It's really sad anything they can in order to uh, damn themselves because they work hard against the God they don't believe in. They hate this concept of the Christian God. And I have a family member who says the same thing, who says uh, they, this, this person hates the God of Christianity. And one of the arguments, seriously, was that uh, there'll be no sorrow in heaven, so that means you'll have joy while your your uh, family members are in hell, and that's not the Christian position. That's not we don't say we're going to have joy that someone's uh, in he in hell. Well, it says all your sorrows will be removed. Well, what does that mean? You know, every sorrow will be be removed. You know, it doesn't say we're going to have happy days and hey, we're looking at so much fun. The people are in hell. That's not what's going on. People construct ideas and and things about the Christian God, the Christian perspective, in order to hate. Oh, man, it's so sad, and it really is.
so this is kind of the stuff that I deal with, and uh, sometimes it's fun uh, and it's ridiculous, and sometimes it's just it is it's just sad at the level of hatred and misrepresentation that they have. So it, you know, so I say to people every now and then, don't do this on your own at home. Let a professional do it. You know, I've had these warnings on uh, on TV about something. Don't do this at home. Let a professional. So uh, that's what I say. Don't do this at home. It's tackling atheists and stuff like that with when they argue like this, when they're obstreperous twits, and uh, they just going to argue for sake of arguing. So there you go. I just had to say that. Hey, look, if you want to give me a call, 877-207-2276. We're having a matching funds end of year drive. If you want, you can uh, support CARM financially. And uh, I need to point out, though, if you send a check in, because the, the, I forget to mention this, the address to send anything in, if you want, that's fine, is, uh, at the bottom of the CARM website, C-A-R-M dot O-R-G. All you do is go there, and, and it's at the bottom of the website. It's P.O. Box, P.O. Box 1353. And if you send it, whatever, it, legally, it has to be postmarked before thir- midnight of December 31st in order to be counted as as uh, uh, that year donation, and therefore uh, as a don- as a double, double-able. Just letting you know. And uh, if you want to help us out, just go to karm.org forward slash donate. And everything that you need will be right there. All right, let's try this. Get to Ryan from Pennsylvania. Ryan, welcome. You're on the air. Hello, Matt. Uh, thank you for inviting me to call anytime. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I um, um, occasionally run across people who ask me also about whether or not we're a brain in the vat. And I usually say, well, I have a proof for your existence. I say, go to your garage, take an axe, and chop off your arm. If you feel pain, you exist. And um, then they say, well, that might be an illusion. And I say, okay, well, if you bleed out and you're still alive, then you're a brain in a vat. <laughs> hey, that's how I like that. If you bleed out and you're still alive, that's how you test it. I like that. I'm, exactly. Maybe I'll use that one. Exactly. Okay, that works. So if you chop off your arm and you feel pain, then you exist. If you bleed out and you're still alive, you're a brain in a vat. Okay, you know what? I might use that one. That's a good one because hey, why, can't improve on it. That's pretty good. If you feel pain, you well, exist. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, and um, I was wondering if you had a chance to uh, look at my destruction of tag as a, as a Christian. I looked. I got your email, and um, I, I, I and I have another email from somebody else on a whole another topic, and they both you guys want me to tackle it now. And I've got so many things I'm catching up with, I'm going to take care of it in a few weeks kind of thing. And then I have to go to okay. Israel for two weeks. Okay. So it's going to just take a while because i got a lot on my plate right now. We've got some major changes happening okay. at CARM and some other stuff too. But, I'll, you know, i got it. Okay? Okay. Um, well, I also wanted to tell you that I hope you have a very good Christmas season. And um, I hope things are going well with your wife. I hope she um, uh, improves as much as she can. You and I have something... Uh, something else in common we're both taking care of a sick wife so your your situation is much more serious than mine but nonetheless i hope things go well for you and vice versa what's uh if i if i can ask what's the issue with your wife um since 2009 she's been having um a great many series of uh seizures and it's a brain deterioration disease and uh that does not fit any particular protocol You know, I don't know why if this makes any difference, but something popped into my head, and um, uh, 
it's something called New Plus, N-U-P-L-U-S, but it's Sunrider. It's a natural, uh, a lot of natural stuff. I don't know if it can help, but it's helped my wife in her condition, mm-hmm. and we've known it's helped other people too. Uh, I don't, I don't plug, you know, I don't do anything with for them. I'm just saying, it's all natural stuff. It is seriously natural, and it's really helped her. So I don't know if it would help your wife, but whatever. I mean, I don't know. It is, it's just. And my my wife's brother, uh, his wife uh, has uh, Huntington's disease, and uh, mm-hmm. so let's just say it's really bad. It, it's bad. Yes, it's happening. Um, yeah, she um, she has seizures like epilepsy, but it's in the wrong part of the brain. That's kind of like Parkinson's, but wrong part of the brain. Kind of like Alzheimer's, but wrong part of the brain. Kind of like Huntington's, but a negative blood test. They did uh, all sorts of things at a neurologic institute and couldn't find anything, uh, and except for one part of her brain that is thinning. So um, anyway, um, believe it or not, you and I have a lot in common. <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh... Yeah. Well, you, you 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 know this is true when I say you have my sympathies. I understand. Yeah, and it's oh, it's yeah. a burden. And uh, yeah. that that I I extend my sympathies sympathies to you as well. I completely understand the sort of um, uh, struggles that happens on a daily basis. I yeah. very much understand that. You know, but um, anyway, I hope you have okay. a good holiday season. I look yeah. forward to your responses. You do. Okay. And, um, um, all right. All the best. You too. Thanks, Ryan. Appreciate it. All right. You know, we have a prayer ministry, prayer at karm.org. And folks, it's a privilege to be able to pray and intercede for people. And uh, Ryan's wife would be one of them. There's the music. We have two open lines, 877-207-2276. We'll be right back after these messages. Please stay tuned. Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. Two open lines, 877-207-2276. If you want, if we uh, run out of callers, you can email me, info at karm.org, and you can uh, just uh, ask questions there. You can say, hey, Matt, what about this? All right, let's get on the air with Andrew from Savannah, Georgia. Andrew, welcome. You're on the air. How you doing, Matt? Um, I've called him before. I just want to say first, I'm going to start here about your wife. Um, I would love to pray for her. Um, my sure. Family, me and my family also. I want to wish you a Merry Christmas as well. You too. But my question is um, about the Septuagint. Um, in the Septuagint, at least in the one that I am reading, it talks about how the how Job in the book of Job has lineage that that goes back to, uh, to Esau. Just want to um, ask the ask the question: um, Have you seen this? Do you um, how? Do, uh, I guess my first question is: Is the Septuagint authoritative? Ooh, good question. What verse is it in the the Septuagint that says that? Because I'm looking very very. Well, actually, it's actually, I won't say it's more of a footnote, but um, it's right after the very last uh, verse in the Septuagint, which is verse 17, very last verse, very last book of the book of Job, 
it's, it's, it's in here as a footnote, but it goes on to say it says this this man is described mm. in the Syriac book as a living in the land of Austis on the border of Idumea and Arabia, and his name before was Jobab, and having taken an Arabian wife, he himself was the son of his father Zaire, Z A R E, one of um, the sons of Esau, and of hmm. his mother, Basorba. This is a so note it, it in the Septuagint, up. huh? You know, I'm not familiar with that. That's interesting, though. Yeah, I mean, it's in there as a footnote. Hmm. No, uh, I'm not familiar with it. Let's see, Job 41.34. In the Septuagint, let me get over there and check it out, see if I can see. 41. Wow, this is, okay, it has Job 42. Oh, it has Job 42, sorry. Um, Come on, here we go, buddy. Okay, come on, I'm looking at my notes. All right, Uh, 42.17, Job died, old man full of... His days, 42.17. Got more than that in the Septuagint. And, uh, yeah, it's hard for me to check just on the air just to look. Uh, uh, I got you. But, um, oh, there we go. Uh, wow. At the very end. All right, I gotta check it out. You know, it got me curious. Now I can, uh, check it out and see. There's a, Quite a bit of Greek at the end, and uh, yes, sir. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I mean the Greek. I mean, I have one that, that actually puts it into English. I mean, it's it's, okay. it's, it's as, as what it says. Talks about how Job is has lineage that dates with it, and it goes back to Esau. Mm-hmm. Um, just trying to see how how I don't, I don't want to use the word valid, but just how authoritative that really is. Um, yeah, so we see in the book of Job and Job 1, we see how he lived in the land of Uz. And if you look at Lamentations 4.21, it talks about how the land of Uz is, in fact, in Edom. So mm-hmm. um, I'm just trying to figure out um, how in the Septuagint it has this, this footnote here, where where you know where this information came from, because I just don't, um, I don't know where it's derived from. Hmm. I, mean, I know, I know the conclusion comes from the Syriac, or, oh, not Syriac, okay. Aryan stuff or something like that. I'm not quite sure where the Septuagint actually is derived this information from, but I'm just trying to figure that out. How authoritative yeah. it is, number one. And- well, that's the thing. There's a there are different Septuagints. They're they're uh, slightly varied, and I haven't looked at the ending of of that uh, of uh, Job to see what that is and yet the disciples uh, referenced uh, the Septuagint uh, in right. a lot of places so right. it's authoritative when it's referenced and I would okay, say gotcha. other than that uh, I'd be careful but it, it is worth a good study right. you know a good thing to do right. at this point is uh, you know if I were to really research it you know I'd be like okay I'm going to call a seminary and see if they have somebody there who studied this because it's an interesting uh, thing. Because do do all the Septuagint versions have it? Is it late? Is it intended to be just a note? 
uh, in, like you said, is it authoritative? All these are the right questions, and that's good, uh, good stuff. I wonder if, it, if there's anything written on the web uh, by it uh, about it. You know, I don't know. I couldn't find much about it. The only thing I found was exactly mm. what I'm reading to you. I really couldn't find much about um, you know where where where, where it was derived from. I can't really find mm. much information on it. But I'm, yeah. I'm currently in seminary. I, I could ask my oh. professor. Okay. See if he could actually see some insight yeah. on this, or whoever, whoever the expert is in, in this field, to figure out that. Um, that's what I would do. Come. Yeah, because that would—that's a really esoteric kind of a of an issue. I'd call, I'd yeah. talk to them, and then let me know what you find. Seriously, what seminary are you I'll going to? What's, sure. What seminary are you going to? Oh, uh, Midwestern Baptist Theological. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's good. I've heard good things about it. Good. Um, yeah, you doing an MDiv or what? Well, I'm currently I'm just going to school for just a social degree in biblical studies. Nothing, nothing. Okay. Um, I don't know. Good. In depth, I guess you. I guess you can say it's just. I'm just right now. Just, just, just going to school just to learn. I just want to learn and get, dig deeper into my study. Well, you're doing the right thing. That's for sure. Seminary is a good degree to have just for that alone. And uh, you've raised a good question. I don't have a good answer for you, but I am curious about it. So if you research it, let me know what you find. Maybe I'll t- take a look into it, too, if I can. But I'm curious. Definitely. Okay. That's right. a good answer. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Uh, yeah, look at that. I'm looking at that, too, and Joe. But it's interesting stuff. I found. Okay, good. <laughs> you got me thinking. All right, man. See what you find out. I'm going to look at it, too. All right. God bless. All right. Interesting stuff. Interesting stuff. Let's get to, let's see. Ani from Houston, Texas. Hey, Ani, welcome. You're on the air. Hey, how's it going, Matt? It's going, man. It's going. So what do you got, buddy? <laughs> uh, so I had two questions, but I guess we'll see how long it takes to take care of this first one. So I've been dealing with uh, anti-Trinitarians, and I know that you are no stranger to that. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, um, the person that I was kind of having a back-and-forth uh, discussion with he kept trying to use the argument of agency. So I brought him to Hebrews 1.3, and I was telling him, you know, here, Hebrews 1.3, that's not just representational, it's ontological, because the Son is the exact imprint of the Father's nature, and uh, but showing him basically Hebrews 1.3, how the Son upholds all things by the word of His power, etc. And his response was, well, that word hypostasis, uh, that doesn't necessarily uh, mean nature. Hypostasis, right. Hold on. We've got a break. Hold on, man. we got a break. we got a break, buddy. I want to hear, but we've got a break. So we'll get back to this, okay? Because okay. this, is, this is good. I love talking about the Trinity. Hey, folks, we'll be right back after these messages. This should be an interesting conversation. Please stay tuned. It's Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. Okay, everyone, welcome back to the show. Two open lines, 877-207-2276. Just want to remind you that uh, we're staying on the air by your support. If you want to support us, uh, matching 
matching funds drive for the end of the month, and uh, whatever you donate will be doubled. Just go to carm.org, C-A-R-M dot O-R-G. If you donate 20, it'll become 40 automatically. And um, also, if you want to mail us anything, people do want to mail us uh, checks and things. It has to be postmarked by the uh, by the 31st of December in order to be counted into uh, this month. That's just the law. That's how it works. All right. There you go. Let's get back on the air with uh, Ani. Okay. Welcome. Go ahead, buddy. Okay, uh, so yeah, basically I had that discussion with uh, anti-Trinitarian and uh, basically was trying to argue agency, etc. So we ended up going to Hebrews 1-3, and okay. I was telling him from the context that it's referring to uh, the Son being God ontologically because he upholds all things by the word of his power, cross-referenced mm-hmm. that with Nehemiah 9-6, uh, told him that Haas on is present active participle, if he's continuously been the the radiance of the Father's glory, uh, but basically what he was kind of just staying on was, well, look at the other references for that word in the Bible. Uh, where does it mean nature? And I hadn't heard anyone really use that argument before, so even though mm-hmm. I was using the context, and I even brought in the Hebrews 1.10, which I know we don't have to cover that because that's a whole other question because he tried to say that's not talking about the beginning of creation, and it was ridiculous, but... Um, so I just wanted to hear your thoughts on that. How do you uh, respond to someone who tries to uh, use that objection? Yeah. Well, it's uh, it's a kind of objection that a cultist will raise that's difficult to refute. It just is. And the word, hypostasis, occurs uh, five times in the Bible. And so, for example, in the New American Standard Bible, it translates it as confidence two times in Second Corinthians 9, 4 and eleven seventeen, and it's uh, translated as assurance in uh, Hebrews three fourteen and Hebrews 11, 1. So for example, Hebrews 11, 1, the faith is the assurance of things hoped for. And that's also the same word, hypostasis. So what's going on? When it, we go to Hebrews 1, 3, he's the hypostasis. Well, the problem here is that we understand that a word can have a range of meanings. It's called a semantic domain. And the translators, what they're going to do is translate it according to the skill set of their understanding of the language. So when we go to Hebrews 1.3, the ESV says exact imprint of his nature. The King James express image of his person. Uh, the RSV says uh, the very stamp of his nature. So if you know, you're talking with someone about this in Hebrews 1.3 and they were to go to other Bibles that translate it this way, they're going to have wiggle room. They just are. And it's not that they're correct, it's just that they have found a way to wiggle and they're not going to give up. So with Hebrews 1.3, when I come to a verse like this, uh, I will say, okay, so then Jesus is who, according to this text, from what you understand? I want to ask them what they think the text means. And they're going to say, of course, he's a representation and not the divine nature. That's what they're going to do. And Right, that's exactly what he did. <clears throat> yeah, that's what they will do. And so what I'll do is is, is not concede that their point is true it's it's just that i could argue this but it's not going really going to go anywhere 
because the word is used in, in different senses, confidence, nature, and assurance. And different Bibles translate it slightly differently, and they could go to different Bibles and say, are these Bible translations wrong? What are you saying? And now you're in a, a very defensive position. This is why I generally don't go to Hebrews 1.3. Okay, I, I, I will sometimes, and I'll say, well, you know, what does it mean to be the representation of God's nature? What does it mean to be the imprint of his nature? And I ask him, what does it mean? Because, if, you know, the word nature here is what we're talking about. And what does it mean that he is a representation of that nature? What do you think the word means there? Is it the word nature? Is the word essence? And you ask him, what is it? Then you write down what they say. If he says, well, it's, it's a representation of God's nature, it doesn't mean he is God. He's just representing it. Now, how are you going to argue out of that? Well, there is a way. I'll show you a different way of going to different scripture. But the thing is, it's like, well, I get what you're saying. Now, how do you convince them that the, the foundation that they have in a gray area needs to be moved into a, a black and white area? This is what the cults do a lot of times, is they anchor themselves into something that can be interpreted different ways, and they just say, that's just how it is. So I'm not saying you're not right. I'm just saying this is a difficult area to, to argue in, just for that kind of reason. Make sense? Yeah, he, he, uh, I definitely get what you mean, because he was just basically trying to give the impression that, oh, you guys are just, you know, arbitrarily using that definition, because look at all these other verses and how it's used, and he tried to give that impression and I mm -hmm. thought by going to Hebrews 1.10 that that was going to just kind of nail it, because to me, I mean, that's that's very clear, but uh, we ended up mm -hmm. still going on a carousel, going in circles on that one. So I'm interested to see what text you would say is more better to uh, to use as far as well, there uh, is. talking about the Son's divine nature. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I've got something that they will just they'll just uh, trip over themselves trying to explain. And uh, But notice, before we get to it, Hebrews 1, he says, he's the uh, representation of his nature. And then in verse 5, that's the whole context that is bearing out of that statement. Because it says in verse 4 that Jesus became better than the angels, etc. So to which of the angels they'd ever say, you are my son? And they'll say, see, the son is not the same thing. Say, Does this go with what the text says? And I'll be a father to him. And he brings the firstborn into the world. And which of the angels did he say? And then it goes on in verse 8. But of the Son, he says, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. Why is he calling God, Jesus God? Just, and then you say, why is that? And how does that relate to Hebrews 1, 3? Because if he's the exact representation of the nature... Uh, yeah, well, he was trying to say... He went to Hebrews 1, and he was trying to say it's just functional. Um, and he kind of tried to use the kings, kings in the Old Testament from the Davidic line like um, Solomon and David, et cetera, mm -hmm. try to use that. I don't want to distract us from that question. No, that's I'm okay. Just kind of that's yeah, kind you of have to show, we when, they, when they do that, you say, show me the verse. And then what they'll do is they'll often go to a verse that is similar, but is taken out of context. And I say, how does that fit here? Because what he's doing is in uh, Hebrews 1.8 is quoting Psalm 45, verse 6. It says that your throne, O God, is forever and ever. It's a quote from the Hebrew of Psalm 45, verse 6. So why is the the writer of Hebrews doing this? Now, when I argue with people about this kind of stuff, I know i got something else up my sleeve. I'm just going through the motions with them. 
because I know their arguments and I know how difficult it can be to work to work with them. But I'll say, but it does say, God is uh, thy throne, O God. It's a quote from Psalm forty-five, verse six. So I'm just saying that this, He is is God the Father speaking of the Son, calling Him God. Why would He do that? And you see, keep saying the same thing. They can give you all kinds of arguments and say, if they have something, you say, where's that in the, in the Old Testament? Show it to me. Show me the verse, and then read the context of the verse. And you'll find out that uh, a lot of times the foundation or other argument just crumbles at that point. Okay? Now, let me show you right, something that right. works. Now, if you were to go to Psalm 116.4, it says this. It says, Then I called on the name of the Lord. Now, you can look at that and you can see the phrase called upon the name of the Lord. The word Lord there is Yahweh. And you can go through and you can find out where it talks about this kind of thing in many places. It talks about, uh, you know, I called upon the Lord in Psalm 18.6 or Zechariah 13.9. talks about calling upon the, the, the Lord. And to say, when it says, call upon the name of the Lord, the name of Yahweh. Yahweh is his name, right? They'll say yes. Okay, so when we have the phrase, this is important, the phrase and maybe you've heard me talk about this before on the radio, but here we go. The phrase, call upon the name of the Lord. The phrase, call upon the name of the Lord. Not just the word call, not just the word upon, not just the word name, not just the word Lord. But the phrase, call upon the name of the Lord. Whenever that occurs, it's in reference to God Almighty, right? They're going to have to say yes, because it's Yahweh. Now I'll say, okay, so whenever the Bible says, call upon the name of Yahweh, it's prayer adoration to God Almighty. Is that correct? They'll say, well, yes. Good. The Septuagint translates this into the phrase, call upon the name of the Lord, Ha-Kurias. That's how the Septuagint, the Greek translation, done around 250 B.C., whenever you see this, it's translated into the Greek, call upon the name of the Lord. Are you with me? And they'll say, yes. Then you go to 1 Corinthians 1-2, and it says this. To the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who have been sanctified in Christ Jesus, saints by calling, with all who in every place call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'll ask him, why would Paul the Apostle use a phrase, a Greek phrase from the Septuagint, that could only mean Yahweh himself? Why would he apply it to Jesus? Okay. Have you ever well, heard this argument before? Can I? Sure. Well, we kind of uh, did get into the whole thing about the name, and to keep it kind of, uh, you know, condensed, I'll just say that uh, he would talked about how, well, see, the son came in the father's name, John okay, chapter hold on. 5, I'm not sure. Got an answer for that, too, but we got a break coming up. And hold on, okay. and we'll get yeah. back to it after that, okay, buddy? It's Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. All right, well, welcome back to the show. Let's get back to Opie. Are you there? Yes, sir. All right. So, remember I said it was the phrase, call upon the name of the Lord. That's what's critical. I've got an article on this, on CARM, call okay. upon the name of the Lord. It's very powerful argument, Okay. Okay. And I'll show you. And I'll show you one more argument that's very useful. Okay. Okay. Yes, and this sir. is called this is called the plurality study on CARM. And you can look this up. I've been using this for forty years. The plurality study. And what I'm going to do is show you something. I'll, I'll ask them: Is the Bible inspired? Of course it is. I'll say. 
Do you believe it? Yes, because they want to say the representation, right? Jesus' representation he has the authority, blah, blah, blah. And I'll say, okay, can you go to Exodus 6? And uh, they do, and, and, and read verse 2 and 3. And I say, it says, God spoke further to Moses and said to him, I am Yahweh. And I ask him, is it God who's speaking? They have to say yes, because the Bible says God spoke. And he right. identifies himself as Yahweh. So that's God speaking, right? They have to say yes. If they say it's an angel, so an angel's now God, an angel's now saying, I am Yahweh, give me a break. And that way, they're really stuck, and you'll see why. And he says, And I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty, but by my name, Yahweh, I did not make myself known to them. That's because Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were before Moses when Moses got the name of the burning bush. Okay, now, I ask him, Did God appear to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty? Now, don't let them up on this, because the Bible says that is the case. If they go to John one eighteen automatically, say, yeah, I know about John one eighteen. no man see God at any time, but let's look at this. Is this what it says? And the answer is, it has to be yes. Do not let them get out from underneath this, because the Bible says God spoke. God did this. He says, I am Yahweh. He says, he appeared as God Almighty. Are you calling God a liar? Is this what God said? You just hammer them on it. And the reason is because this is God who's speaking. Then you go to John 6.46. John 6.46. Jesus says, not that anyone has seen the Father, except the one who's from God. He has seen the Father. He's talking about himself right there. So Jesus says, not that any man has seen the Father. I say, okay, so if they're seeing God Almighty in the Old Testament, then who is God Almighty who's not God the Father? Okay. Right. It's very powerful. There's yeah. a lot more to this. There's a lot more no, verses associated, but it's very powerful. Go ahead. Well, yeah, that's powerful. Yeah, the person I, I, I discussed with, he he just kept hammering on agency. Um, for example, I had mm -hmm. brought him uh, examples in the Old Testament where God appeared, and he tried to say uh, that's just agency. He tried to say it's a uh, law of. Yeah, I got it. I don't remember the name of it. Uh, it's yeah, it's just later, later when they came up with it. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so he tried to Exodus go with that six, and say two, John 5.43. Exodus 6, 2, and 3 refutes that. He tried to say that. John 5.43. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it was saying John 5.43, and he tried to couple it with John 17.2, saying, see, the Son came in the Father's name, that uh, yes. he didn't have the authority, et cetera. So he tried to use that whole representation. An, but I think, like you said, Exodus Let me show you something with this. Strong. Let me show you something with this, okay? You, you study this Exodus 6, 2, and 3 thing. It's very important. And they're going to argue, and they're going to argue. What you do is you calmly say, but what it says is, and you repeat the address, uh, Exodus 6, 2, and 3, it says that God appeared as God Almighty. It says, God said it. That's what I believe, because that's what it says, but you're not believing it. That's why it says it in Exodus 6, 2, and 3. You go over and over it, and you cross-reference it with John um, uh, 6, 46. Okay? Now... Here's a trick you can do with these guys. So they'll say, well, Jesus just had all the authority. It was just given to him. It doesn't mean he's God. Say, so you're telling me Jesus has all the authority to forgive sins? Yes. Did Jesus say, come to me? Yes. And he's, he says, ask me anything in my name and I'll do it, right? Yeah. Okay, then do that. Right now, would you ask Jesus to forgive you of all of your sins? Since you believe he has that representative authority, so would you ask him to do that right now? Now what are they going to do? No one ever thinks to ask them that. 
So he has the authority to forgive sins? Yes, it was given to him. Okay, let's work with that. It was given to him, and uh, and so he can forgive sins. And he says, ask me anything in my name, and I will do it. John 14, 14. Right? And he says, come to me, all who are heavy laden, I will give you rest. You know, Matthew 11, 27, 28. Okay, so, all right. So are you going to obey Christ? Are you going to ask Jesus to forgive you of all of your sins? Then see what happens. Because if he has the authority, because it was given to him, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth, Matthew twenty-eight eighteen. then go to the one who has all the authority. And how is he going to judge you? Doesn't he have to know all of your thoughts and past, present, and future and know all the intentions of everything that you've said and done in order to be able to give that judgment? You're assigning all of this to a created thing. Okay, so now then why would Jesus say, come to me and ask him since he has the authority? Well, are you going to do that? That's when you're going to see them really, really uh, backpedal. Okay. That's interesting. All right. Yeah, I hadn't thought to actually ask him that. That's right. Because if he does, then do it. Then see what they do. Well, wait a minute. You said he has the authority, right? He represents God, right? Right. Then do it. Then do it. They won't. See, well, then why so did you... Go ahead. When we say uh, the John five forty three, I don't want to hold you up because I need to have other colors. Yeah, but just so don't. I make sure I'm interpreting it right, so when, the way that we explain John five forty three as far as the Son and coming in the Father's name, um, what's the best way to explain that to them? Yes, yeah, so that's that. right. He did come in His Father's name. Yeah. So, what's the problem with that? But it's not negating the Trinity. It doesn't negate anything. It just says He came in the Father's name. That's consistent with the Trinity. Because the right. Trinity would say that the Son, from all eternity, was ordained to come in the flesh, be made under the law, Galatians 4.4, 4, be made lower than the angels, Hebrews 2.9, so he would come in the name of the Father, in the authorities of the Father. What's the big deal? That's, not a, that's perfectly consistent with the Trinity. It doesn't negate the Trinity at all. And then I ask him, do you even know how the Trinity's arrived at from Scripture? Look, I'd love to debate them on this, and uh, I'll be on tonight in about uh, two hours an hour, yeah, two hours, um, discussing all, all kinds of stuff on on uh, Clubhouse. You can invite these guys in. You know, they'll, you know, awesome. they'll have my name awesome. and a title really of a room. Your, okay. Yeah, I really yeah. appreciate your help, man, because uh, you've got a lot of experience. Yes, well, a little bit. And I, I have a lot of tricks <laughs> up my sleeve in Scripture. And one of them is, you know, you go to John 10, 30 through 34, and, uh, you know, they said that Jesus, the Pharisees said that Jesus was claiming to be God. And uh, I'll ask them, do you believe uh, that Jesus is God? No. Did the Pharisees believe he's God? No. So you agree with the Pharisees? Right? There's little things like this, you know. And if he has all authority, then go to the one who has the authority. Why don't you do that? Uh, just lots of stuff. Okay? All right, man. All right. Thank you so much. All right, you're welcome so much. God bless. Let me know. All right, let's see if Alex from Orlando's. Oh, no. Alex. <laughs> I'm trying to help you out by coming on the show because I know it's slow holiday season and I only get five minutes. What What's going on? Nothing. Just doing radio. What's up, man? Oh, what's up? What's up? Yeah, I was like, oh, hey. And I, whenever I have the intention of coming on to, like, mm -hmm. hey, get you some callers, that's when I yeah. get backed up to, like, the last five minutes or just get cut off the show. That's because we can see who it is. We want important people <laughs> who are intelligent to come on first. I mean, this, this is obvious, you know. Sheesh. Oh, the, 
I know you're smiling. Hey, uh, I know. I know you like the abuse. So I know that that's it. You know. So what's up, man? What do you got, buddy? So, um, Revelation 4.4. 4. Yeah, I like it. Um, yeah, around the throne were 24 thrones, and upon those thrones I saw 24 elders sitting, clothed in white garments yeah. and golden crowns in their heads. So I would say 12 of the elders are the disciples. Would you agree? Not necessarily. What do you think? I think the 20, my opinion is the 24 elders represent uh, the church. So how okay. so? Uh, because numbers often represent things, 153 fish, um, seven days uh, of the week, eight is a number of new beginnings, uh, things like this. Uh, there's all kinds of stuff. And the 24, uh, which is just, you know, six times four, but not that it's a big deal, uh, they uh, are clothed in white garments. And that's exactly the case for the Christians, for the church. We have new garments. I believe this is code uh, for the for the church. That's my opinion. I could be wrong, but that's what I think it is. Okay. But, okay, go to Matthew 19.28. Okay, Matthew. 19.28, Jesus said, Truly I say to you that you have followed me in this gener- in the regeneration when the Son of Man will sit on his glory throne. You shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Yeah? So, so that's why you that's say why I would half of that. them? Yes, well, then who's the other twelve? Who's the other twelve? Like Bob and Butch? Question. That's my question for you. But I don't believe that that's the case. Because twelve tribes... Here's the thing I've learned in Scripture. This is going to sound really dumb, but words mean what they mean. And they're there for a reason and not there for a reason. That sounds kind of, well, duh. But 12 tribes is not the same thing as 24 tribes, and they're different. The 12 tribes represent the nation of Israel. The 24 thrones is different, and it says 24 elders. So the thrones are different uh, and than... Uh, the tribes of Israel. So you see, 12 tribes of Israel versus 24 thrones of elders. Okay, so you're saying there's a distinction there. So what do you do, what do you think Matthew 19, 28 means in context? What I think it means is that uh, they will sit on the throne, uh, they will judge Israel, that the, the disciples will do that. So that's what it says. And who shall sit twelve thrones. Yeah, they're going to judge the tribes of Israel. Uh-huh. Now, what's interesting is, uh, when they judge the tribes of Israel, what kind of judgment is it? It's going to only be a generic kind of thing, because they can't judge every heart of every individual. So they have a judgment that's going to be given to them because they are um, uh, in authority. Now, here's what's interesting. Does that include uh, Judas? Twelve tribes, right? The Son of Man followed me. You who have followed me. Well, it can't be Judas. So does it mean there's going to be 12 disciples? Because there's more than 12 disciples. What does it mean? You see, that asks Wait, so you're saying that... Yes, so you're saying that when the the 12 tribes of Israel would be like Dan, Levi, like those tribes, and when they're resurrected, they'll be judged by the disciples? It looks like it. Now, if it's the 12 disciples, Judas at that time was part of the list. Was Jesus saying Judas will help judge him? Well, obviously not, because he said it was better that Judas never be born, so he's cursed. 
So is it the 12 uh, disciples that he's specifically speaking of? Just a question we have to ask. Or is he talking about uh, the Christians as a whole? That's a question we have to ask. What's going on? These are the questions we have to ask. And then we start researching. Interesting. But you, yeah, but you can't say it's a... Um, obviously, you can't say it's a specific judgment for each one's heart. It's more of a generic for how they yeah. you know, reign, basically. Because, yeah. yeah, because they, uh, a person can't know all the hearts of all individuals. That's a privilege of God. Let's see. Okay. See? Yeah, that helps me flesh it out a little more. I yeah. mean, uh, we'll decide if yeah. I take your advice or not. But Of course you should, like all things. <laughs> That's how it is. Hey, hey before, okay. before I back you gotta go. Radio, hey, We're out of time. There's a music, man. We're out of time. A fun drive right now. So, you know, if you want to right. match, give right now. You only got a couple days left. Well, till the end of the month. The end of the month. But, uh, yeah, we appreciate it. Yeah. All right, buddy. God bless, man. All right, that's Alex, a friend of mine, obviously. Hey, folks, Matching Funds Drive, karm.org forward slash donate. Whatever you donate will be matched, will be doubled. So uh, please help us out, and uh, you can do that. Karm.org forward slash donate. God bless. Talk to you tomorrow. Another program powered by the Truth Network.